this episode of The Interface, I speak with Sergio Diaz, Director of Research and Development for Arden Concepts in Hampton, New Hampshire. Sergio has been with Arden for 15 years. We talk about his R&D team and some of the exciting new projects they're working on, like MicroLinkOver. We talk about how a class in product development at MIT got him interested in engineering and design. We talk about the magical feeling of bringing a new product idea all the way through to fruition. We talk about how having Amphenol sister divisions to collaborate with has helped their work at Arden. And of course, we talk about his Desert Island album, book, and movie. This is The Interface. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time to do this, uh, Serge from Arden Concepts. So I've had your GM on one of the early episodes of The Interface, Gordon Vinther, and, and he talked about Arden Concepts, but it's probably been a while since people have heard that. Can you give us a refresher of what your Amphenol division is all about, what you specialize in? Sure. So we specialize in connectors that are high density and that operate to very high frequencies. Um, and what that means usually is making a contact as small as it possibly could be. We have a product that connects cable to board mm -hmm. to a PCB. So the funny thing is that the smallest contact that was ever, ever created at this company was first made for an interposer. And then from then on, we learned from the market that we needed to make the contact larger. It, the spacing need to, needed to increase so that we could test PGA devices at one millimeter. And then there were other applications that needed to grow the contact even larger. And so we went from very small to larger and larger. And then eventually we found out, and now we want to go into this cable business. Now the contact needs to go back to a smaller size. Yeah. And we wound up using the original part number. <laughs> In, in our flagship product that we sell today, and it went full circle. When you're talking really small contacts, how how small are we talking? 750 microns tall when compressed. Mm -hmm. We have a, a marketing poster that shows the contact, a few contacts sprinkled on the surface next to grains of salt. <laughs> so that's that's the kind of scale we're talking about. How do you work with those? I mean, you don't. I know people. I know some people have some small fingers, but they're, you're probably not using. Face. So how do you how do you work with contacts that small? It requires microscope work for sure. Yeah, sure, sure. You have to have your your face in front of a microscope with tweezers, uh, maybe a hundred x magnification. And your role is what? Tell us about your role. I'm the director of research and development, and it's it's a fairly new title. Uh, the R and D group is fairly new as well. So right now, really, my role is developing MicroLinkOver, but also building the team. We started out with Gordon, myself, and Joseph, our lead electrical engineer. Over the past year or so, we purchased new equipment, uh, network analyzers. We purchased stronger or more capable software, HFSS, and we hired a few more electrical engineers. So. The next step is to hire more mechanical engineers. This R&D team is growing pretty quickly then. Yes. Yeah, we, we've been tested to grow. Uh, I think this is probably pretty common across Amphenol business units. Mm -hmm. and test to grow a certain percentage every year. Uh, and in order to meet that demand, we need to grow. How long has this team been in place that you've been leading? Uh, we've been together for, uh, as it is today, probably the last six years. Okay. We, we got pretty far with what we had. Using outsourcing, mm -hmm. um, uh, third-party simulation, and third-party 
measurement with network analyzers. Um, but I guess we, we reached a point where we needed more than that. And so we hired, seven years ago, we hired our first electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this person was able to, right off the bat, learn how to use the analyzer within a few days. Um, already had a strong understanding of EM, electrical, electromagnetic, electromagnetics. And then we purchased our first seed of HFSS probably six years ago. And how much of a difference have you noticed in the business since you guys have formulated this R&D team? How, how, how much positive impact has it had on the business? Well, now... One of the, our tagline, our, our motto for our company is that signal integrity is their passion. Okay. And we developed that tagline before, I think before we had all this capability, before we had our network analyzers or our simulation software. But almost every day we come up with examples where we actually make that true. And now that we're part of Amphidil, we have access to the Nashua team just an hour down the road. Mm-hmm. And if we are ever stumped, could call them yeah and they have they have decades of experience between all of them probably a uh, century of experience between all of them together right uh, we're very fortunate to have ad- access to that uh, not only that but the the purchasing power if we, we buy one seed of hfss for example we have a small amount small fraction of attention from the applications engineers from ansys but now that we're part of a larger company we get more attention for their support team Right. You're referring to Amphenol TCS in Nashville. Yes, correct. Right. So you had mentioned that um, uh, this already, but as a longer term R&D project that you guys are in the middle of, which is micro link over. And I know it's something that you're, well, speaking of signal integrity is our passion. I'm sure micro link over is your passion as well. Explain what micro link over is all about. Well, the product essentially is a way to transmit signals from near the chip on a server blade on a, on a line card out to either the front of the appliance, the front of the server, or to the back lane. And traditionally, that was done with traces on the board, PCB traces. Mm-hmm. But as signal speeds, data rates increase, the loss is too large. Um, and so instead of transmitting them through through a trace, you want to transmit them through some sort of shielded structure like a coaxial cable or to an axial cable. So that, in a nutshell, that's what the product is. And when we started looking out in the industry to see what other products there are that do this, we realized that those products, they do use a twin axis cable, but they have extra transitions that are perhaps not necessary. Mm-hmm. So they go from the twin axis cable to a small paddle card to a connector finger to a solder down connector secondary connector that mounts to the line card. So those, every time you have that extra step, you have extra reflections and that degrades the signal. So we saw an opportunity to develop a product that goes directly from the cable through a very small connector uh, contact to the circuit board, thereby reducing those transitions, the number of transitions. So you've streamlined the connection, basically. That's correct. Yes, yeah, so we want... If you think of the transmission line on the board and then the transmission line for the twin axe, where the, our expertise is in the way you connect those two things together. And this goes back to the concept of size, the size of the connector, the size of the contact. We're able to put a contact that's, let's say, two millimeters long between those two links in the chain. So in addition to micro link over, 
what are some of the other new projects that you and your R&D team are, are working on at Arden? One of the most important things is continuing our, our, our continuing to prove that we're experts in the field. And in order to do that, we want to improve, continuously improve the products that we offer. Right. So we, we classify our TR, our Terminator, which is the co- multi-coax product in terms of frequency. So the first stage is TR20, which is good to 20 gigahertz, and then 40 after that, 70, 70 being good to 70 gigahertz. And now we're going into higher frequencies, so we want to release a product that's good to 90 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. So we're, and that what that means is we have to improve the performance of the product from the bottom up. Um, I don't know for how long connector companies have been able to remove to just focus on their connectors by themselves and, and improve the connector without worrying about the circuit board. But yeah. as you get to higher and higher frequencies, it turns out the, the structures that are inside the board are just as important. So it, it helps us to think of the whole solution sort of as a tree where it's not just what you see above ground that's important. The wood system is just as important. And so all the, the launches, the, the traces that are buried in the board, those are the wood system. And that needs to be considered carefully too. Which is also another benefit to having TCS fairly close by because that allows you, I would imagine, the flexibility to prove uh, those processes out because at some point you, uh, you know, I guess to, for, for lack of a better term, you max out the potential of what the connector can do. And so how can the rest of the system, quote unquote system, help optimize whatever it is you're trying to do? Is that is that accurate to say? That is accurate. And not, not just in confirming what we suspect with the signal integrity engineers there, but also you having access to the high equipment they have to measure yeah. to detect. Uh, for example, we had one project where, um, so just like roots in the ground from a tree, they're not visible to us. All the other structures in the circuit board are also not visible sure. unless you use a machine like a CT scan. Mm-hmm. So we had a problem with an evaluation board where the vias, the ground vias, were not being filled completely when they were being inflated. And we thought we should be getting very good performance, but in fact, be, even though we could section them, doing physical sectioning can only get you so far because you end up destroying the sample. But we were able to send the boards off to Nashua, um, and they helped us take high-end CT scans, even video scans, the entire board structure. We were able to prove to the vendor, here's a problem. This is why we're not getting the performance. And, and the vendor was convinced. They, they were able to rework the boards for us, sort of build them from scratch, fix the problem. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and that's uh, an even additional, uh, another benefit to having someone like that uh, at your disposal. You talked about some of the uh, products that you're working on, MicroLink over uh, as a product line and others. Um, I'm assuming all of this information for people listening to this that are interested is available on your website so they can check out more information and, and contact you guys, right? Just a little yes, plug, throwing that out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Concepts.com. Great. Really exciting to hear. And it's some, I mean, you talk about the size of these contacts to it. It still kills me that they're that small and someone actually has to manipulate them, and put them in a connector. It's got to be quite the challenge. Do you get to do whatever? Like you try to, do you try to put these things together? I assume you have yeah. to. 
yeah, once in a while. I, I probably get through the first hour and I decide, well, I'm not, I'm not skilled enough anymore. <laughs> Do you ever think, <laughs> Do this and, man, we, but, we designed this in a way that is, well, it makes manufacturing really difficult. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're working in front of a cat station and you can zoom in almost indefinitely and you get used to thinking of ways, thinking of your product in that in that sense and you forget how small it is. Yeah. Uh, but just just like we we think our product is small, but we continue to get requests from customers to make it even smaller. Wow. Every day. And um, not just that, but when we send our insulators to get machined, our vendors say, one vendor in particular says, wow, you guys are always coming up with all these new challenges for me as, as he's complaining. But what we tell him is, well, I know you like to be challenged. You complain yeah. a lot, but you... You love being challenged. Yeah. Or you could not have our business. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's that too. Find someone else. I yeah. mean, it's up to you guys. Yeah. It's really exciting to hear. And, um, you know, hopefully we develop more and more R&D projects through you guys to to further our technologies. So let me back up then. Uh, young Sergio growing up. Where did you grow up? I grew up in New Mexico. Okay. Uh, about an hour outside of El Paso, Texas. Yeah, that is as different from Hampton, New Hampshire, as you could probably get, right? So what was it like growing up in New Mexico? Well, it's rural. Uh, of course, the weather is very different. You ride a bus about 47 minutes to get to school. Really? That's quite the time commitment then every day. Yeah, I mean, but if you had trouble doing your homework the night before, you know, catching up with your reading, it's the perfect time to do it. That's a good point. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what were you interested in? What were you, what, what types of things did you do as a kid growing up in New Mexico that eventually led to, you know, you being the director of research and development? Were you into engineering and mechanical stuff and how things worked? Not necessarily mechanical engineering or engineering, but I've always liked math and science. Okay. So that was um, one early interest of mine. I might, my dad liked to tinker with cars and help us or ask us to help him do that. Yeah. So I, I knew how to use tools, uh, I knew simple mechanical concepts just from helping him. And where did you go to uh, college? I went to MIT. Oh, okay. So that's how you uh, got but, into the area. Right. Yeah. Yes. I came here to New England in 1996. My Initially, I thought I wanted to uh, go into medicine, so I wanted to study biology and chemistry. But MIT has an independent activities period in January, mm -hmm. and they offer many courses. And one of those courses was product development, uh, mm -hmm. where you would work as a team with other students and come up with a concept for a new product, a new consumer product, mm -hmm. and you prototype it, build it learn how to use the shop machines, and then present it to members of the industry at the end of the month. So people from business, local businesses would come to hear these presentations. What intrigued you about that? I think the, the biggest thing was troubleshooting, hmm. where we had we knew what we, we saw in our head. We knew this is what the product had to look like, but we didn't know what material to use or what process to use exactly or even mechanisms what mechanism to use and just puzzling that out that was that was the thing that, that i liked the most what was the product we came up with um so at the time people loved buying cds and listening to cds now, yeah. nowadays it's kind of it's kind of funny but 
uh, it was it was a way to hold your CDs in a way that made it easily accessible. So it was a sort of a, um, a conveyor that would move your CD cases around, huh. um, like sort of like a Rolodex of yeah. CDs. Yeah, where you could you could plug in uh, into a digital readout what what CD number you wanted, and it would move it up, reach in with your hand, take out the disc. Wow. That's actually really cool. <laughs> As someone who had hundreds and hundreds of CDs, and now I've probably sold most of them, uh, you know, to a, a record store. But uh, I would have loved that. Although I was very, very particular about the order, so I would have spent more time ordering them and categorizing them. Um, right. But <laughs> so, what did you learn out of doing that? Because now, in a sense, that might have set the groundwork for where you are now. Is this product development? So what was it about that process and touching multiple disciplines that then led to where you got to now? Got to? Is that proper English? Sure. To where you are now. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, and one of the things was access to SolidWorks. SolidWorks, I believe, had just come out, that right. modeling software. Yeah. So that's when I first started using that software. And um, also, when you think about coming up, brainstorming, coming up with new ideas, it's sort of completely undefined. It's almost magic the way it happens. And I just discovered I had an act for that. Yeah. And I, I wanted to seek an opportunity where I could take advantage of that. You're speaking my language, uh, and I'm in a totally different field than you are, a totally different business function. But yes, coming up with something that has never existed before and somehow figuring out a way to bring it to fruition, and it's actually a living, breathing thing, is incredibly satisfying. I can, I, I totally relate to that. So, and I hope more people do too, because there's, there's a tremendous sense of accomplishment when you're able to go, I have an idea. What if we tried this? And whether it's product development like you're doing or, or another business function, and you see it through and go through the struggles and the challenges and make it work, it's, it, it's awesome. Yeah. And have, that's part of it. The other part is the opportunity side. So we, I, had, I had worked for a few companies in the area. I didn't necessarily have the opportunity to, to do product development there, so I started looking for a second job. Mm -hmm. And I found Gordon. This is how I found Gordon. He had just started this company. It was probably two or three years old at the time, and they were advertising in Craigslist. And I came here to initially do assembly work putting these connectors together with tweezers <laughs> under a microscope after hours on weekends. Yeah. And, uh, and he found out I knew how to use SolidWorks, so he asked me if I wanted to do design work. Mm -hmm. So I, I started doing that, and eventually I got laid off from my other job, and Gordon hired me full-time. And in him I found someone who was very much like me, mechanically minded, and he gave me the opportunity to, to design, but also to make mistakes. Right. To learn from them. Yeah. So that's how you got to Arden. Right. That's so right. You, you've been there for, you told me before, 15 years now. So you were there for quite a while as it was a growing company uh, before it was acquired by Amphenol. So tell us what it was like before Amphenol and then what it was like after you were acquired by Amphenol. Well, there were some lean years to be sure. Sure. At the beginning of the yeah. company. We had a meeting every every week every Monday morning to discuss the backlog. And there were times when we could print out the number of orders on a single sheet. It was probably just four or five lines. Yeah. Uh, but now it's it's grown so large, which is probably 30 sheets long. 
we've gone from maybe 10 people to, I believe, 60 people now. Mm -hmm. uh, we've moved. We were renting out a, a few suite, one or two rooms here in this building. We moved to Seabrook for a few months and now came back to this building. You know, we own the building. Mm -hmm. And we have room for expansion. We purchased CNC machines. Yeah, I... It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's probably grown 10 or 20 times the size. Yeah, and it must be incredibly satisfying. You got in fairly early in the company, like you said, just a couple of years in. To see where it was and where it is now has got to be uh, it's got to be also as satisfying as you know some of the product development work that you've done. When Amphenol acquired Ardent Concepts, what were your initial thoughts. And it's okay to be honest and say, I was really worried that we were going to lose our, you know, independent spirit or something. What were your thoughts? Well, I think at the beginning, Gordon was very clear about what was going to happen, what was expected. So we weren't that nervous about the acquisition. I was a little bit um, intimidating when we first met the team, yeah. the signal integrity engineers and other engineers in Nashua. They by to visit us and then we also had a, a tour of one of their production lines in Ashima. Mm -hmm. was, we were very impressed they they have we had a concept of high volume here about how many units per year we would sell yeah and we found out what their concept of high volume is and it's you know one or two orders of magnitude larger <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so we were yeah it was it was intimidating at first I know you talked earlier about how much TCS has helped you out. How do you think you have helped them out? Well, we've always felt like we were, were nimble. We're able to react quickly to customer requests. And maybe a larger company perhaps isn't able to do that as quickly. Maybe mm -hmm. there's more, uh, I, I want to say bureaucracy, but not in a negative way. Sure. And so I think that's, that's one of the ways maybe we attract more talent, more younger talent. We have, mm -hmm. since we're growing, we're able to hire more younger engineers, try to develop that talent. Eventually, maybe that'll spread throughout Ampital. Now, when you're not working, what are you passionate about? When you're off work on the weekends, you know, coming up Labor Day weekend here, what are some of the things that you like to do in your free time? I have three kids. One of them is off in college, mm -hmm. um, trying to do a little more outdoors thing, outdoorsy things with them excited about going on hikes. Uh, we just bought a couple of kayaks recently. Yeah. This summer we've been trying to get on the water yeah. a little bit more. We're exploring Cape Cod. Yeah. We're going to visit a few beaches. Um, but mostly we're just trying to unwind. Yeah. Well, with three kids, that's that's its own job in and of itself too. So it's it, you probably don't get much relaxation, but not in a bad way, in a good way because you're always probably active and busy with the family. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. We're, um, this is probably common across families in America where everybody has their own screen. Everybody's kind of looking down. Sure. It's alternate reality that's in front of them. And so we're, we're trying to disconnect from that a little bit on the weekends, trying to engage with each other a little bit more. No, it's a good idea. I, I think it, it helps. And after you get over that initial, you know, taking away the, the pacifier, uh, they'll get over it. <laughs> they'll get over it. They'll forget after a little a little while. At least I've found that out to be mostly true. All right, so we're going to end with this. Uh, just a little uh, scenario here I'm going to put you in, okay? Uh, 
I put you on a desert island by yourself. No one's around. You can kind of do whatever you want. But I allow you for entertainment to bring with you one album, one book, and one movie that you have to choose now. So what album would you pick? We'll start with that. Uh, you probably pick anything by Putumayo, any sort of world music. Okay. They have some some uh, Latin music similar to Buena Vista Social Club, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. Yeah. Very relaxing. Yeah. So and it keeps it. It's kind of matches the vibe too. Then as well. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I'm good with that. How about a book? Uh, probably The Martian. Oh, okay. Does that mean you're going to pick the movie too, or? <laughs> no. <laughs> the 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 movie probably um, Castaway. Wow, you're going literal. Yes. <laughs> that's some that's really literal. Of, yeah. Uh, what what people have done in those situations maybe a little bit of motivation too. that's great well listen uh all three great answers serge again i appreciate you taking the time to do this today um i can tell how you guys really do have a lot of passion for signal integrity and everything that you guys do in the r d group at arden concepts thanks again for doing this i appreciate it very much thank you